listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you have missed, have to miss any of today's show, you can hear it all and other past editions of Detroit Today at the Detroit Today podcast. If you just go to iTunes or wherever podcasts are available, download and subscribe to Detroit Today, you can uh, take us with you and listen to us whenever you are ready. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about the ongoing controversy at Michigan State University with regard to the scandal uh, surrounding uh, Dr. Nasser uh, and what the university did or didn't do in responsible in response to the allegations against him. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to a couple people who are pretty close to that situation to get an idea of what's going on and what the fallout might be. But first, we now have dates set for elections to fill the seat in Congress vacated by former Democratic Congressman John Conyers of Detroit. But that general election is not going to happen until next November. The primary is going to be held in August of 2018, the same time that the primary for the permanent replacement for Conyers will be held, and the regular will be held in November, just like the regular election. That means that seat will remain empty for almost an entire year. Is that right? And why not call the election sooner to make sure that the constituents of the 13th Congressional District have somebody to represent them in Congress. What will this mean for those folks uh, who won't have representation for that year? What will it mean for Michigan and Midwest issues, such as Great Lakes funding, that are important to the governor and all Michiganders? If you don't have that vote, you might be putting some of those things in jeopardy. That's where we want to start the conversation today with the idea of an empty congressional seat here in Michigan for at least 11 months. Does that make any sense, or should the governor have chosen to hold special elections early in the year so that at least somebody can be uh, can be there uh, for most of the most of that uh, most of that calendar year? Uh, we want to hear from you about this, uh, especially if you live in the 13th district. Uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think about that seat sitting open for as long as it will. Is that something you think is necessary to give people time, for instance, to raise money and get organization together to be able to make a good run for the seat? Or should we just have gotten to it right away? Should we have, uh, at the earliest possible scheduled date, held a special election to make sure that there's representation? I think there are a lot of interesting arguments on either side of this issue. We want to hear which one you are choosing, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Of course, we also want to hear from you. If you don't live in the 13th Congressional District, what do you think about the idea of Michigan not having a full congressional complement for most of next year? Do you worry about some of the issues that we need to protect as uh, as a state in those instances? Joining us now to talk about the issue from the governor's perspective is Anna Heaton. She is the press secretary for Governor Rick Snyder. Anna, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Good to be with you. Yeah. So let's start with the the rationale behind uh, this choice. Uh, if, if you think about 11 months, uh, almost 12 months, really, uh, without 
a congressional representative in the 13th, uh, a lot of people are concerned about representation for the people in that district, about Michigan issues. Why did the governor decide uh, that that made the most sense? Sure. So, well, it was an abrupt decision. So, you know, it wasn't something we were prepared for, and it wasn't something that Wayne County was prepared for to hold an election all of a sudden like this. So there's a number of considerations when there's an open seat that the governor goes through. And first, we reach out to the Secretary of State's office, the Elections Bureau, and find out how much it might cost to hold an election. In this case, what about $1 million due to the size of the district. And then we reached out to the locals. Uh, we reached out to the Wayne County Executive's office, and we reached out to Mayor Duggan's office to talk with them about, you know, if this was possible, what they thought. So this is the same thing we do with every open seat, whether it's state house, state senate, or congressional. And so this wasn't a political decision. This was the same kind of process that we go through with every open seat. And and when you talk about saving money, right, uh, I've seen a lot of people say, okay, maybe you are saving a little bit of money by holding these elections when when the regular election would be held. But why is money the primary driving consideration here? I mean, if you think about it, uh, the, 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 the lack of representation for people in that district seems like it should take precedence over, uh, and you're really not talking about that much money uh, in, in any of these cases. I mean, we have elections for a purpose. We have democracy uh, for a purpose. Why does money, why does money make that, uh, that less of a concern? Sure. Well, so it's a million dollars, uh, and it's a combination of money and current circumstances. So as you know, right now, uh, Detroit is in the midst of several recounts. So they already are spending money that they didn't account for from the last election. This adds on top of that burden. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, so let's look at the congressional schedule. So let's say we had scheduled a May and August election, and a new representative was sworn in in August. Well, what does Congress do in August? We know that they go on recess. Mm-hmm. So there are no session days in August. And I think September, October, there are usually... Uh, two weeks of session, which if you break it down by how many days are in session, it would be six to nine days. So do the residents of that district want to pay a million dollars to have, you know, a vote for six days? It, it just didn't make sense if you look at it with the timetable and the cost added together. Yeah. Uh, what about a March-May schedule? Uh, March is, I think, the first available regular Sort of election cycle that we have in 2018. Why not push it that early? Yeah, so that goes back to the timetable. And, you know, Stephen, I heard you say it just before I came on air. I hadn't heard anyone else say it, that this is a legacy seat. This has been held by the same person for 50 years, more than 50 years. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of people who have been waiting for their chance to run for this seat and who want to get their message out to voters, who want to introduce themselves, who need to run a campaign. And that takes a lot more than you know, a couple of months to put together. It takes time, it takes money, it takes staffing. And so it just seems too soon for all these people who want to get into this race and really introduce themselves to the district. Yeah, so I mean, one way to think about that is that if you'd had a March-May cycle, you would be advantaging, for instance, uh, office holders, public office holders, people who already uh, have campaign organizations and maybe some money uh, you would certainly be advantaging people who had uh, large amounts of uh, their own money to be able to pour into the race. Uh, the the idea of pushing it off, I suppose, gives other people time to uh, to compete there. Um, I, I I wonder also what the governor thinks about some of the critical 
votes uh, where where you do end up needing some Democratic votes to, to, to make things happen. The Great Lakes uh, Restoration Initiative, I think, is is an example that everybody sort of uh, refers to here as as one of those things that we saw this year where where Democratic cooperation with Republicans from the state really made a difference, uh, restored the money that Congress had uh, other or that the White House had su- suggested should be cut from the program. Do we risk do we risk issues that the state needs to care about by not filling this seat? Sure. It is frustrating not to have representation on issues like that. But again, it isn't the governor's fault that there is not representation in Congress right now. He did not make that decision. Uh, that was made. That was a decision made by the person who resigned from the but, seat. But he is responsible for that seat now. I mean, uh, uh, I, I get that he didn't he didn't have anything to do with uh, with Representative Conyers leaving. But it's it's in his hands now to determine its future. Uh, why isn't that? Uh, I mean, that that does make him responsible. Sure. Well, it, again, it's the timetable of allowing the right person to take the time and come along and be a candidate for that seat rather than just getting someone in there as quickly as possible. It is an important vote, but there will be many more important votes. And again, this person could be in this congressional seat for decades. So it's important that people have time to choose the right person. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Anna Heaton. She's a press secretary for Governor Rick Snyder. We are talking about the special election schedule for the replacement for Congressman John Conyers, Jr. of Detroit, who said earlier this month that he will retire, resign from Congress. Uh, That leaves his seat open until we can have a special election uh, to temporarily fill out the rest of his term. And then, of course, next year we have the regular scheduled elections for that seat in August and November. The governor has come out and said that he wants to hold the special elections at the same time as the regular elections. So we would have uh, uh, primaries in August and uh, the general in November. What do you think of that decision? Is that too long to go without a representative from the 13th Congressional District here in Michigan? Is it too long for uh, Michigan to go without a full congressional complement? Are there things that could get compromised in Congress uh, during that time that we ought to make sure there's somebody to cast a vote for? If you want to join the conversation, 313 313- Five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag uh, Detroit Today, and uh, we will work you into the conversation. Uh, you know, I wonder, Anna, also whether the governor has thought about the fact that Conyers leaving uh, because of the way the districts have been drawn leaves Detroit, in particular, without. Uh, a, a member of Congress who who lives here in the state's largest city. I don't know that I can think of another time in history when that's been the case. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. Uh, is the weight of that kind of transition something that the governor took into consideration here? Uh, you know, again, it was a very abrupt decision, so it wasn't something that the governor was necessarily prepared to have to call an election and um, would have had time to think about every single circumstance going into it. So, I mean, it is, you're right. It's a big loss for that particular seat in Michigan's congressional delegation. But fortunately, we do have strong leaders like Mayor Duggan in Detroit who advocate to Congress for important issues. And so their voice will be important uh, during the next year. 
Okay. Anna Heaton, press secretary for Governor Rick Snyder. Thanks for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. All right. We're going to continue our conversation about the replacement elections for John Conyers next. We're going to talk with Rick Pluta. The Michigan Public Radio Network. And we want to continue to hear from you on the phones. Tom in Northwest Detroit, Carolyn in Detroit, Interpol in Troy. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today is supported by Michigan School of Professional Psychology, offering a nationally accredited doctoral program in psychology. To find out more, go to misp.edu. Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the special elections that need to be held next year to temporarily replace Congressman John Conyers, who resigned earlier this month, leaving that seat open. Now, we have regular elections scheduled for that seat next year in August and November. That would have been for the next two years until 2020 to fill out that seat, but we also need to have a special election to decide who will sit in the seat while Congressman Conyers is gone and there hasn't been that regular election. Uh, Governor Rick Snyder has decided that we will do both of those things at the same time. Instead of having special elections early in the year and having somebody sit in that seat while the other elections unfold, they will uh, we will have two primaries in August for that seat, and we'll have two general elections for that seat in November. That, of course, has inspired a really controversial uh, argument about the nature of special elections, how long we ought to leave congressional seats open, and what should happen in particular with this seat. A few years ago, then-Congressman Thaddeus McCotter submitted forged signatures on petitions for re-election to his seat, representing parts of Oakland and Wayne counties, and McCotter later resigned, and a special election was called to fill his seat. He resigned in July. That seat also remained vacant for several months, and the district was in the middle of being reshaped to be more conservative and in the Republicans' favor. By the time that special election came around, a Democrat won McCotter's current seat at the time to finish out his term, but only got to serve for two months. The winner of the more conservative district was Carrie Benavolio, who went on to serve just one term in Congress. So Michigan has seen strange special election circumstances before. And one person who has seen all of that is Rick Pluta, who is the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. He has covered politics at the state capitol for 30 years. He joins us now to talk about this latest controversy. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, as I said, the, we have seen this before. It, it happens mm-hmm. from time to time. Uh, first, I'd love to have you compare this to the McCotter uh, situation. Uh, a lot of people who are critical of what the governor has decided here are saying this is not the way it worked when McCotter, who represents a majority white district, uh, left uh, left Congress. Those people weren't left without representation. Is that an accurate description of the comparison here? 
Well, I, I, I guess it is a literally accurate description of the comparison. And this is certainly a very long period of time for the seat to uh, remain vacant. It may be the, 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 for a congressional seat in Michigan to remain vacant. It may be um, the longest in 25 years, but it would not be accurate to characterize a vacancy as something that Rick Snyder would want or that would benefit, um, that would, that would benefit the state. Um, you know, I, I don't speak for him. Uh, that was Anna's job. Mm-hmm. But um, there are things that are active before Congress now that the governor has an interest in. You mentioned the Great Lakes uh, Restoration Initiative funding for that. There are certainly manufacturing and uh, workforce issues that the governor is very interested in. The governor has taken a position on the DREAM Act and would like Congress to deal with that before actually the uh, the end of the year. There's also chip funding that um, some Republicans in Congress want to get rid of, but the governor is very concerned about the effects on Michigan's budget, and we know how the governor feels about issues affecting Michigan's budget. <laughs> so there are all kinds of reasons why he would, would, would want to have this seat filled as soon as possible. So we have to ask the question, then, you know, why is it taking so long? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, and I think there's an answer. Well, what, what, what do you think is that answer? Um, that um, um, the political calculus isn't trying to you know, keep the Democrats short of vote for as long as possible. I, I think the political calculus, to the degree that it's in there, and I think that money is part of it, is um, if there are um, deadlines that have to be met. So, for example, ballots in both the primaries and the general have to be sent out at least 45 days to overseas voters. So automatically, you know, bang, you're, you're, you're putting three months onto it. The Elections Bureau recommends to uh, uh, local clerks that are planning elections that they figure on needing 70 days to prepare. Uh So that says that you're not going to have an election before, you know, March, maybe April. Um, If we stick with the standard calendar, you, you know, would put it in May. But what you would have if you scheduled the primary, and the primary is going to be the determining election in this case because it is such a strong Democratic seat. Right. If you schedule it somewhere, but, you know, in March, April or May, what you're going to have is a very low turnout primary, a very low turnout primary. And if you're interested in um, seeing that this seat has a, a mainstream candidate, a mainstream Democratic candidate, you're much better off coordinating it with the um, regular primary and the regular general election in order to ensure the uh, highest possible turnout. And also, as, as, as Anna said, the most time for um, candidates to you know, campaign and you know, let the public do their due diligence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We're talking about the future of the 13th Congressional District here in the state of Michigan. Governor Snyder has decided that that seat will sit vacant at least until November of next year, 2018, which is at the point when we will be electing the person who will serve that district for the next two years. Is that okay? Is that the way to handle a vacancy like this uh, that comes up as it did uh, surprisingly when John Conyers decided that he would resign from Congress? Uh, It's late in the year now. It's sort of it would be very difficult, I suppose, to to get an election and get a, a field together quickly by March or May. So the governor says we'll do it in August. But is he doing that in a way that will disenfranchise the people who live in the 13th district? Is he doing it in a way that will weaken 
the Michigan congressional delegation for that long. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We especially want to hear from you if you live in the 13th district, you support this decision. Uh, the person who's in charge of the organization, uh, the political organization in the 13th district, went along with this decision, said this was a good way to manage this. Do you do agree with that person? Do you think that person is looking out for your interests? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Susan in Detroit. Susan, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm, I live in the 13th District and have since 1988, and I'm completely appalled. I think this is a completely undemocratic, small-D decision. I think it weakens the Michigan delegation for all the reasons you mentioned it, and I'm truly shocked that the political establishment thinks this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be disenfranchised from now until November, and I think that's completely unacceptable. And I do think this has unfortunate and real racial overtones as well. Yeah. So, Susan, Susan, I, before I let you go, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, I, I, I can't argue with anything that you've that you've said there, but I wonder what you make of. The, the 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 sort of broader context of this seat. This is a seat that's been held by one person for 53 years. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, who have had their eye on that seat, I guess, for 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 some time. And then there are other other people who've, I guess, sat around and maybe thought about it, but maybe they don't have the organization. So maybe they are uh, not uh, wealthy and don't have uh, a bunch of money in the bank to be able to run. Do you make anything of the argument that uh, people need to be given time to form up the field here so that it's not just automatically going to somebody who already holds office, somebody or who already has great financial advantage that other people who may need time to compete can do it? What, what do you make of that, Susan? Well, as a Bernie Sanders delegate and supporter, I believe in the power of activism and engaging people. Mm-hmm. And I think two things. I think that we can do a lot with small donor contributions, and it's really about turnout. And people who've been thinking for years probably have an organizational structure around them. And I understand that we have a problem with low voter turnout, but that's really a reflection of how alienated people feel from the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that the ability of folks to mobilize may engage and improve turnout. I feel very strongly, and many of my neighbors in the Grandmont Rosedale area, which is where I live, feel also that we are really being disenfranchised, that the whole city is, and that has to take precedence over a prolonged period for fundraising. Yeah. Susan, uh, thanks very much for the call and the, the comments and, and for answering my question there. I really I really appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning, Steve. Mm-hmm. You know what, Steve? I say unequivocally, yes, hold a special election. Because, you know, here we go again in terms of, you know, as your previous caller talked about how much it would cost to have an election, a million dollars. You can't put a price on democracy. And in terms of, you know, uh, putting money before people, let's go to Flint. The city's poisoned because they didn't want to spend $36,000 
$500, meaning yeah. $100 for the corrosive, you know, to add the anti-corrosive for there. Yeah. But you don't put money before people. And the people in the 13th Congressional District, and I'm going to let you know up front, I'm a member of the 14th Congressional right. District. Right, right. Okay, but the people in the 13th Congressional District, they are going to be disenfranchised for up until January of 2019, okay, because all you're doing in November is there's a runoff. You're picking the person who will fill that seat. Well, they'll actually pick, I mean, they'll they'll pick both. So they'll pick the person who would take that seat as of January 2019, but they'll but there will be a person who fills in right away in November. Now, I mean, I, I think you could argue that November is really late. Exactly. Be, uh, <laughs> j- joining somebody, and they don't do, you know, Congress doesn't do much, frankly. Hey, well, like, um, well, just like, like I, I think uh, what the, the young lady said, how many days that there were between, like, say, November and the end of the year, and, you know, and how many days they worked. But, I mean, you don't put a price on democracy. Mm-hmm. And those people in the 13th Congressional District, they are going to be taxed without representation. There's going to be nobody there in that seat to fight for them in case there's something that's going to, you know, impact them. uh, Yeah, no, no, I I hear what you're saying, Tom. I I really appreciate the call uh, and and the comments. Uh, Rick Pluto, talk about the the political context here. You know, I immediately saw people react to this decision uh, by invoking what happened in Flint and saying, look, this mm-hmm. is an administration that has made money a priority over people too many times. Uh, I, I can think back to the to the endorsements that we wrote at the Free Press uh, for, for Rick Snyder, and that was our primary concern, was that this was somebody who would put money before people. And, and I, I think we couldn't even have imagined how dramatically that would come true uh, in the Flint water crisis. Why, why isn't that more of a concern here? Well, like I said, and, and I'm not in a position to say what, you know, what decision the governor should have made or, you know, what would have been the correct one, you know, on, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm just a reporter. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that there are, that there were multiple calculations that went into this. Certainly one of them, you know, is financial and look, I mean, it's, it's certainly a, a, a balancing of priorities that there is no perfect decision in an in, in instance like this. Mm-hmm. So were finances part of it? Sure. And and that actually matters because no matter what, that's, you know, money money spent on election is money that could be spent on uh, something else, you know, that, that, that eventually the well does run dry. But two, I, I don't think that we should, you know, discount the other calculation in this, which is that um, more people will turn out to vote in all likelihood um, when the elections are coordinated with the uh, regularly scheduled elections. And that means it's more likely that, um, you know, what the district will wind up with is a more mainstream Democrat rather than, um, you know, someone who's who's more of an outlier who takes advantage of the fact that a relatively small number of voters will get to determine who is going to hold that seat in all likelihood for many years. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of a long game decision. Yeah. I, I also want to ask you about the speculation that I've heard that this seat is in some jeopardy of being drawn out in, in 2020. Uh, Michigan's mm-hmm. widely expected to lose yet another a member of Congress in in the reapportionment that will take place after the after the census, not because 
we are losing population, but because other states are gaining uh, so much. Uh, and right, that, we're just not growing as fast as the others. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and at the 13th is, is one of the targets. I think that might not be the case, given the, the, the VRA uh, implications there. You'd probably... The Voting Rights Act that say yeah. that you've got to um, protect um, a majority, yeah. minority I think it would be yeah. harder to, to eliminate that one than, say, uh, the district that uh, Sander Levin just decided to retire in, which I think uh, would raise far less concerns there, or or even the district that Debbie Dingville uh, represents. Um, uh, but but I, I want to get your sense of that vulnerability and whether that plays into to some of the considerations here. Well, certainly it, it, it looks very likely that Michigan is going to lose um, another congressional district, um, which means that it's just, um, you know, one more hammer on uh, Michigan's um, waning congressional influence that, you know, we went from having one of the most veteran congressional delegations to really now having a, a, a very, a very uh, junior, junior one, yeah. delegation. Um, and the way that the lines are drawn, and you know, are in such a way that, that I don't know that you'll say that, you know, the 13th will disappear, the 14th will disappear or the 11th, but it might be, um, you know, I mean, at some point, whatever district that, 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 that goes away, it's probably going to be multiple districts that are absorbed into a, um, a new district. And also, let's see what happens with the uh, uh, petition drive and, and likely ballot question right. on uh, the redistricting process. Yeah, yeah, which could, which could throw everything into flux uh, in, that, yeah, in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, Tom, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Interpol in Troy. Interpol, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, appreciate it. Just sure. a brief comment. I understand the timeline that Rick's laying out, saying an election likely wouldn't happen until April. Mm-hmm. But I'd just like to pop back a bit and say, why do the elections in the U.S. need to take so long, right? So in Canada, last federal election, 13-week cycle uh, to federally elect our prime minister. And so the question is, in general, in the U.S., in the special election, why the election cycle is so long? And I think we have to take a look at that as a learning coming out of why this one's taking so long. Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting point, Interpol. It's not something I, I thought of. Most other countries, in fact, have shorter election cycles than we do here, uh, and they more tightly control what you can do and say uh, in those in those cycles. Of course, the, no other country has the First Amendment to its constitution uh, that that's worded the way ours is, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, with with those cycles and the, the fact that the government can't control them. But I think that's an interesting comparison to draw, something for us to think about. Uh, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, thank you, Stephen. Good morning. Hey, how are you? One of the things that uh, directly impacts this that hasn't really come up is the fact that uh, it's the governor's office that through the emergency manager legislation continues to impose Financial Review Commission, uh, which severely restricts the political and economic prerogatives of the local city government. I'm talking about the mayor and city council. When you add the fact that uh, it's the same office that also imposes this void on democratic representation in the city of Detroit, uh, this further exacerbates the problem of not only due process uh, and lack of democracy, but also uh, increases the influence of the forces of dark money. Yeah, I, uh, Gene, I, th- I mean, I think I've heard a lot of people draw that comparison too, and 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 I think it raises the same question 
that we raised a little bit earlier about optics. Why is this administration not even thinking about uh, the, 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 the concerns that have been leveled against it uh, with regard to, to respecting people's representation and democracy, uh, things like that, and, and to say, well, a million dollars um, you know, is, is worth all of that. It's, it seems, it seems very, um, it seems very odd. Uh, but, uh, Rick Pluto, I'll, I'll give you the last word here on, uh, on what we're, what we're likely to see in the, in the next year in that district. I think one of the things that's true is holding that seat, or, you know, holding the, the, the election off until August makes it more likely that we'll see more candidates, uh, in the race, and maybe more candidates who have an actual sporting chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, um, it, it does give uh, some uh, people some breathing room to uh, figure out what they want to do. It also, um, you know, uh, uh, gives, uh, I, I guess you could call them the establishment, um, some time to figure out if there's a candidate they want to coalesce around, in particular, if um, you think that it's very important that the representative who replaces John Conyers actually be from the city of Detroit, mm -hmm. because right mm -hmm. now Conyers is the only Detroit, well, until he resigned, Conyers was the only Detroit resident uh, serving in Congress. Yeah. And so it, it, it does allow some time to um, check out the field, allow the field to grow. Also for, um, you know, people to come up with uh, shenanigans and, you know, for example, recruiting candidates who maybe have names that sound like uh, the names of other candidates on the ballot to see if you can uh, splinter uh, that vote as well. I mean, it's going to be it, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting year heading into this special election. Yeah. Okay, Rick Pluta, State Capitol Bureau Chief at the Michigan Public Radio Network. As always, thanks for joining us on Detroit. Today. Oh, it's always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Up next, we're going to talk about the Larry Nassar sexual abuse scandal and calls on Michigan State University President Luana K. Simon to resign over that situation. Stay with us on Detroit Today. <laughs> 